from there. Right, good evening, gentle Hello. folks. It is I, the Angry History Chef. And spooky goth wife. I, I, I'm going to start this evening's chat with a simple phrase. It's a very simple phrase. It is heard throughout the history of my reenactment life. Yeah. And that phrase is Deus Vult. The, the mighty God wills it. <laughs> you missed the end off, off though. That's, you don't normally just say Deus Vault. <laughs> <laughs> no, normally it's Deus Vault, bitches. That's what he's going to say when he comes down the runway at RuPaul's Drag Race. It is, yes, Deus Vault, bitches. But no, <laughs> what we're talking about isn't the Templars, shockingly enough. And to some degree, it's not God's will, but it is God's will. <laughs> you just started it off. Yes, but we're going to start it with one of my favourite phrases that stems from... The 12th, yeah. 13th century. Yeah. What we're actually talking about is um, Magna Carta. Magna Carta. Da, 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 da. Good old Magna Carta. Magna Carta. Magna Carta. And I'm going to stop there before the BBC sues yeah, yeah. for uh, their horrible that, histories one. Uh, yeah. But no, uh, we're talking about the Magna Carta and the reign of King John and what is affectionately known as the First Baron's War. Yes. And... To some degree, how did we end up in a baron's war? I know how I ended up in a baron's war. It's because you joined a Kickstarter. I did. Apparently oh. three years ago. And got two, small, two years ago. a miniature of yourself. And then a miniature and of And then it spiraled. So that was... So to, to start off, folks, this is a wargaming bit. Um, back in the mists of time, before the COVID. The COVID. Before the COVID, <laughs> as it were. Um, there was... Or there is, I say there was, there is a Kickstarter mm -hmm. being run by a lovely pair of chaps yes. who are very nice blokes, yes. uh, Mr. Hobday, Mr. Andy Hobday, Mr. Paul Hicks. Now, Mr. Hobday and Mr. Hicks, Hobday and Hicks as they're known, you see it's a bit like a like a 70s cop duo there, Hobday and Hicks. I think like Hicks. a musical kind Well, of... yeah, apart from Andy will quite happily tell you himself he's tone deaf and Paul Hicks is a nice bloke mm. who... Whatever. But they had a range of miniatures for the first Baron's War. Yeah. And they took it to Kickstarter to get it back. And yes. I backed it. Yes, you did. I backed it quite quite a fair bit. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, I did. And I've backed every other one since. And we've just had the drop of the third wave. Um, so if you like wargaming and you want to listen about the Magna Carta, maybe listen to this podcast and then go buy lots of miniatures from Footsaw Miniatures yes. who are the producers for Hobday and Hicks yes we're not sponsored we're not sponsored thank god thank god but like, <laughs> but, but like well, thank god for my wife because if we were sponsored by Footsaw Miniatures and all the people I tend to uh, shall we say please, advertise please, yeah. for gleefully in my own small yeah. nerdy way oh my god the house would be so full of books and miniatures it already is full of books and miniatures but even worse this is my first question okay so let's start with this Was properly Prince slash King John actually a massive dick because everybody makes it yes. out like he is. Yes, yes, he was. Yeah, but no, he wasn't. Like all good history questions, yeah. it's a yes and no answer. Yeah. So what you've got to remember is John Blessing was the fifth, fourth or fifth son of Henry the Second. Yeah. Was not expected to ever get anywhere near the throne. Yeah. And then all his brother, he did an Alfred. Yeah. All the brothers die, and he ends up on the throne. Okay. Now, King John was equivalent to most kings of the period. He's no worse and he's no better. Yeah. The difference is, is he antagonised his own people. Yeah. And that's where he comes a cropper. Because what he basically does is he pisses off every senior noble in England. Yeah. At which point, the crown to some degree 
needs those senior nobles on side. Now, we're not saying they all rebel, because they don't. But throughout John's reign, which eventually culminates in a civil war, in effect, which is the First Baron's War, which is 1215 to 1217. Yeah. Okay. John basically has done a series of um, various misdemeanours in terms of imprisoning people, robbing people through land grants and through scutum, which is a form of raising money for warriors and stuff. Right. Uh, All the princes and kings before John in the, shall we say, Anglo-Norman, Anglo-Angevingian empire have raised scutums. They've done what John did. The problem is John didn't know when to say, maybe I shouldn't do this. Right. And he goes too far with all of his machinations. Richard had been taxing the crap out of people as well. Yeah, Richard taxed the crap out of people because Richard got captured because John got him captured on his way home from the Crusades. Yeah. Because John was playing politics. Yeah. A lot of the issues with Richard's reign stem because of his little brother. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just thought Richard was a dick as well. (laughs) No, Richard was just very much... For his namesake, he was lion-hearted. The man just liked a fucking good fight. So he decided to go on crusade, third crusade. He goes to war with Salhardin Ab... Now, you'll have to forgive me, folks, because I've literally been listening to Dan Jones talking about the Templars, and he uses the Anglicanised version of Saladin, but Saladin isn't even correct. Um, Salahadin is a closest analogy... And Salahadin isn't even the correct name for him because his real name, being an Arab, is about... Oh, yeah, you've got the the different naming conventions. Um, And he's something like Saladin Ip Ahafahal. Yeah. And I have got it wrote down, and I normally can pronounce it quite well, but it's just, we'll keep it simple. Yeah. And it's Saladin. So, no, Richard goes off to war on crusade. Yeah. And... Basically, because of politics, he isn't best friends with the Holy Roman Emperor at the time, um, King of the Germans as he's known, and he's also not particularly on good terms with the King of France, and also certain other nationality monarchs and reigning elites. So when Richard's on his way back home, bimbling through Europe (laughs) from the Middle East after the Third Crusade, he's captured and he's ransomed. And he's ransomed for about quarter of a million. Yeah. What, like their money or our money? I believe their money. Bloody hell. Yeah, big old... So England could back it, though. We were still one of the richest nations because of the Alfredian tax system. Mm. And the, the Normans and the ruler, post-conquest rulers exploited that taxation system to a big degree. It's actually what, unfortunately, causes part of the Magna Carta problems. Or should I say, King John's problems leading to the Magna Carta now, I will point out the Magna Carta has got nothing to do with the common man. Oh, so it means that hairdressers can't stay open during COVID lockdowns. No, that's not what the Magna Carta entails. <laughs> the Magna Carta is to do with land rights and people's rights of the land and also the king's rights on how he treats people. Right. Okay? It's got nothing to do with Parliament because Parliament doesn't exist in this no. period. We are an autocratic monarchy. Yep. Parliament is basically the council of nobles that the king has to deal with. There are parliaments called... But it's at the behest of the king. Yeah. Now, during the reign of John's father, Henry the Second, and then John's son, Henry the Third, and John and Richard and Henry the First, Parliament actually forced themselves to be called 
through um, acts of violence against the crown. They raise armies to get parliaments in place, so the crown actually has to listen to people. And you get this a lot throughout medieval history in England. We're quite fond of going, the crown's not listening, right, let's rebel. Okay, now you've got to remember, the whole premise, though, of um, John and Richard and everything else all stems right back, though, to the original bastard himself. And then his son, Henry I, dying without heir uh, because of the white ship, yep. which was where Henry I's son dies drunkardly in a boating accident off the coast of France. <laughs> And I say a boating accident, shall we say, the white ship was the fastest ship in the fleet and she ran aground and two people survived. Rich people don't change, do they? No, they they really don't. (laughs) And what you end up with is Empress Matilda of Germany, who was Henry I's daughter. Right. And a bloke called Stephen Valois. Right. Who is King Stephen. Okay. Legitimately King Stephen. He is crowned King Stephen. They form... A, a war between themselves, it's family feud, like a lot of our civil wars are. Yep, again, more rich people, people problems. problems. Yep. Uh, mostly nobilities, rich people's problems. Oh, it's the fields of Elysium from Gladiator on the background there. How nice. But yeah, the anarchy ensues, which is where Cadfile's set, by the way. I've never watched a single episode of that in Originally my entire a book, life. Of course. Yeah, love Cadfile, love Cadfile. Yeah. Murder mystery set in the twelfth century. Yeah, I know what it's about. I know. I've just never well, watched it. It was set during the anarchy. Right. Now, the problem with the anarchy is it's a family feud between Stephen and Matilda. Again, horrible histories do a very good uh, ABBA renditional style of um, Stephen versus Matilda with uh, Mamma Mia and stuff. (laughs) Um, And basically, Stephen dies childless. Okay. And it goes to Henry II, who is Matilda's son. Right. And that's how you end up with him on the throne, post-anarchy. But it's during the anarchy, the the best, the greatest knight in history pops up as a five-year-old. Damn right, the marshal pops up. (laughs) It's almost like I'm used to what you're going to say. So the marshal pops up as a five-year-old. He is just the marshal. He pops up as a five-year-old, so he didn't exist before. He just suddenly, at five years old, materialised. Well, he's captured by King Stephen. Oh, yeah, and then they nearly, they're going to... Yeah, yeah, thanks to the silly history boys yes, for giving you that information. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the marshal ends up going into the family Tankerville um, to become a squire. Okay, and the family Tankerville, very famous um, Norman knightly family, good at training fighters. And then the marshal meets Henry II's um, eldest boy. Yeah. Commonly referred to as Henri the Younger, so yep. you can differentiate between the Henrys. Yep, yep, yep. He dies of dysentery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, the classic historical thing of shits themselves to death, always yeah. a good one for history, is they died of dysentery. Ironically, right? your son, Henry, also really enjoyed our description of, of, of what dysentery was, and it was basically somebody pooping themselves to death, and he thought that was hilarious. He does. <laughs> and shockingly enough, folks, yes, my son is called Henry, yeah. because of pretty much the entire Plantagenet... Well, pretty much all the Henrys. Apart from Henry VIII. Yeah. Who well, I, yeah. I don't deal with. I don't, I, don't deal I don't deal with Henry VIII. But he, he's, he's just no. If he comes round, we just tell him to go. We do. No, go go away, Henry VIII. We do, we do. But no, so that's Henry the Younger. Yep. Who is a bit of a flippant, like, playboy in the medieval period. Yeah. Goes into the tournament scene with William Marshall. They create this winning team, get a lot of ransoms, do a lot of other things. And all of Henry II's other sons are generally... 
quite virile, argumentative, rowdy jocks. Right. Then you get to John. Yeah. Okay. Who monikers include soft sword. <laughs> oh gosh. And lax land. Oh dear. Because he's not. Because he's basically. It's he's so overshadowed by his brothers. And bear in mind, his mum's Eleanor of Aquitaine as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got to remember, Henry II's wife is Eleanor of Aquitaine, who was originally the wife of Louis the Pious of France. That's Louis the Seventh, yeah. who she basically divorces uh, through the useful annulment system of their two closely related. Um, but she actually decides to swan over to England and marry someone about eight or nine... I think she's almost ten years older mm. than uh, Henry II. She marries someone a bit more virile and a bit more, shall we say, lead in his pencil than Louis the Pious, who took <laughs> yeah, her on crusade. I can't imagine this. She'd been to Jerusalem and stuff. Uh, Eleanor, he took her on crusade, but the Second Crusade, as it's known, which is 1146, is, frankly, until the Templars get involved which is where the Deus Vault roll into it. And the, the Templars actually take over uh, Louis' crusade. And Eleanor ends up leaving Louis, and she becomes, of course, Queen of England. I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot going on with a guy that's called the Pious. I imagine there's a lot of praying. There are no children Yeah, with and Eleanor. a lot of, like, But do you want to know what's funny? And... What's funny is they've got this relationship with no children. Yeah. Henry basically steals her. And they get an annulment, this is Louis the Pious and yeah, Eleanor. Yeah. She ends up with Henry and starts spitting out babies like a <laughs> Maxim gun. Right. But what's even better is Louis the Pious remarries, okay? And suddenly, the woman he marries starts, like, like you know what I mean, spitting babies out. And it's everyone sat in Europe going... But when they were together, there were no children, yet they marry different people, and suddenly oh there's tons God. of children everywhere. Oh and God. I put it down to the fact that he was so pious, and she was like such a political creature herself, that the stress in their relationship just meant that they could never... They were not compatible. No, sexually speaking. Yeah. For uh, progenital creationing yeah whereas she ends up with henry the second and has something like seven kids right and she actually lives as well she does she lives a very long life yeah, yeah. and she only just dies before john gets in a shitstorm in 1215 yeah. to some degree and her acne amazing woman that's phoebe's middle name is named after it's almost like I have a fondness for the, uh, the 12th, 13th yeah, century. She, she is a badass. Uh, she is one boss ass bitch. Yeah. She is the pinnacle of the boss ass bitch. We see that photo of Eleanor Aquitaine and then that song goes. Yeah, you're top. damn straight. So, Louis the Pious, of course, her previous husband, he remarries, and the woman he remarries starts, shall we say, churning out the kids as well. And it suddenly pointed out to you. Well, clearly their compatibility was what was causing the issues, not anything sexually speaking. So, yeah, that's that. Um, uh, and we'll get to John, folks. This is a very long ramble because, to be honest, it's a lot of history happens in a very short space a lot of time. Of important things. Oh, very much so. You've got to think there are three crusades going off from the end of the 11th century to the start of the... 13th the, the century. The Pope started the Crusades, didn't he? he it's all like, about the Pope. He was like, it was a way go... to unify yeah. Europe. 
So that thing when people are falling out, how yeah. do you get a it's nation like, on side? You unify them against a set enemy. It's like Ozymandias' plan in Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically what Hitler does with the Jews in World War Two in Germany during the creation... He makes the Jews the scapegoat. Yeah, 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 yeah. The same thing happens with the Pope and the Middle East. Yeah. He basically, in 1050, the Sajik Kurds, who are Shiite Muslims. Yeah. And you have the... It's all right, I have to remember which one are Shiites, which one are Sunni. Yeah. Because it's also part of the reason of why the modern issue between yeah, the two yeah, exists. Yeah, 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 yeah. It all stems back to the 11th century. So that is the Caliph. Which is the Shaji, yeah, Shajik, Kurdish, Sunni, no, Shiite Muslims. Yeah. And in Egypt, you have the Fatimid Sunni Muslims, okay? Right. Yeah. Now, they're not technically unified. Yeah. They're two Muslim faiths. Yeah. That... Because Islam must have been pretty new at that point as No, well. Islam is pretty old at that point. Is it? I thought it was like the thousands... 700, 600 AD. Not is, that I'm an expert no, by um, any stretch of the um, imagination. Um, um, 600 AD yeah. is, I believe, the prophet Abraham within yeah. their thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and like, as religions go, the Muslimic faith is relatively young compared to, say, the Jewish faith. Yeah, but it's hard to get a bit... But, like, in the grand scheme of things, Christianity's really young as well. Oh, yeah. This is the whole point. In 1050, the Muslims take Jerusalem. Yeah. And they basically slaughter everyone. Yeah. Okay. And then in 1090, to alleviate political complications happening in Europe, Pope Innocent II, I believe, I believe it's Innocent II, or it might have been Urbane VI. So either Innocent II or Urbane VI, I can never remember which. There's lots of popes, it gets very convoluted, <laughs> and they all tend to share the name of either Benedict, Urban, Innocent, or something stupidly similar. I guess it's similar. one of trendy. Precisely. Yeah. But basically the Pope calls Crusade, and that's about 1090-ish. Yeah. Okay. They retake Jerusalem in 1098, 1099. Yeah. And... They do the exact same thing to the Muslims. This is the Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. do the exact same thing that Muslims have done. Yeah. And it just kind of... They roll in and slaughter everyone. It's just kind of like constant now, capture the flag. It is. However, the reason for the war with Jerusalem, or over Jerusalem and the Middle East, is because of the Temple of David, the execution sites of Jesus... Yeah. And everything related to the founding of Christianity. Yes. And what is known as the Passion. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, you know roughly your Christian... Yeah. I went to you, Catholic secondary school. Precisely. So, you know your Christian ways, <laughs> so to speak. I knew more of them than most of the Catholic people that went to the Catholic secondary school. Yeah, that's because... And I'm not Christian. No, well, yes. <laughs> but that's fine. But what happens is... Is basically mid 11th century, the Muslims capture Jerusalem, kill everyone. End of the 11th century, it's alright. End of the 11th century, Christianity recaptures Jerusalem, kills everyone. Okay? Simple enough. First Crusade, done. Yeah. A lot of politics happen. Okay? <laughs> A lot of politics happen. Yeah. Middle East, Europe. 1120, Templars are founded. Right. Okay? Templars are founded. About 1120. 
give or take. Because the Templars were like an international organisation. We'll get to it. Oh, God. We'll get to the okay. Templars. <laughs> this is why we're getting to the Templars. So, 1120, the poor soldiers of Christ, as I always refer to them, the, the, the Holy Order of Knight Templar, yeah. whatever you want to call them, no, let's not go down the Hollywood route. They're protecting the Holy Grail and another malarkey <laughs> like that. They are a order of knights who live off the charity of others to protect Christian religious sites. Yeah. That is their whole premise. Okay. They also live poor lives. And there's great big canonical what we call a bull, uh, which is a popish piece of paper known right. as a bull as it were uh, b-u-l-l literally bull um so to speak and these dictate to some degree how the templars work so they're not allowed money they're not allowed frivolity they're not allowed to go hawking or hunting the only thing they're allowed to hunt in the middle east is the mountain lions around the sub-Asiatic, where Odessa is. Right. Right, they're allowed to hunt the mountain lions and they have to do it with spears. Not allowed to use dogs or... No, because dogs dogs and hawks and all of that are seen as... Rich people things. No, they're seen as frivolous rich people things. Right. right? They are soldiers of God, so they are meant to be pious, clean living... They're not allowed sex. Well, yeah. Right. But they can go into an order married and take an all sorts. It's a weird one. What? Yeah, don't ask. But basically, <laughs> when you join... Because there were two options. Right. You could join the order for life yeah. and become a permanent brethren. Right. Or you can join up for a military service turn of thing. Right. So you know how in the modern world people go and do their military yeah, service yeah, yeah. and then yeah. come out again? Nobles could literally go and do five years in the order of the Templars yeah. and then bimble back out again and retake over their land. I suppose it's probably pitched as like, oh, you know, it's a kind of like... It's a holy thing. Golden ticket to heaven kind of That like. is exactly how it's sold yeah. to the populaces. And what you will come to realise is only knights wore the white tabard of the Templars. Right. Their foot troops, their sergeants and their servants... And they're all crones. So to speak. <laughs> they didn't have... That's an actual crusader force, not yeah, a Templar yeah. oh, okay, force. Okay. Which is the Christi... Milti, uh, Milti Christi, which is the Christian orders. Okay. Right. Which is things like the Order of St. Lazarus, uh, Hospitallers. As yeah. in the Order of St. John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the Order of St. James. All of the military orders as they're known. Um, going back to the Templars out of the military orders. Only the knights wore white. Their foot sergeants actually wore dark clothing. So all their foot infantry wouldn't generally be in white. Mm. They would carry the white shield with the red cross on it. Yeah. But their troops weren't allowed to wear what they call the white cloak. Only knights wore the white cloak of the Templar. Their foot sergeants would often be in dark cloaks. Yeah. Um, so that's that. And people may wonder how I'm getting to Magna Carta through the Middle East and the Crusades <laughs> and the Templars. But we get there, folks. Trust me. Because this is the whole point. John, when... So we're going to jump forward a moment here, folks. We're going to go back to King John, yeah. the, the, the phony king of England quote good old Disney's but Robin Hood. Ridley Scott has a lot to answer for because I just picture Oscar Isaac now. He's with, a very with, pretty with man. The weird contact lens thing. He's I don't a know very why they pretty made man. It's that, fine. But, um, but 
Also, John was redhead. Yeah, he's... Like his brother. Yeah, so why do they make Oscar Isaac wear blue contact lenses? It's just the most bizarre thing. I, I don't know. But John, back <laughs> on term, Philip... So, going back to Louis the Pious, okay. Yeah, okay. He goes on his crusade. Yeah. Or is it Philip the Pious? Or is it Louis the Pious? I can never remember Mr. anymore. Mr. Pious. It's someone's Pious. There's far too many French kings called Louis and Philip, and I've got lost, and I do apologise. I've got lost in French monarchies. It's just as bad as us with all the Henrys. Yeah. But the difference is, we've only had eight Henrys. Yeah. There's been 16 Louis. Yeah. There's been 12 Philips. Yeah. So I do apologise if I get the wrong Louis or Philip here, folks. Yeah. But there is fucking tons of them in France. <laughs> Absolutely tons. Oh, and if it's not a Louis or a Philip, it's a Charles. Which stems from Charlemagne. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because God help us all there. But John basically is meant to go on crusade. Yeah. Okay. Right. Raises money to go on crusade. Right. Doesn't go on crusade. Oh, no. <laughs> Has scammed every senior ranking noble oh, out God. of quite a lot of money <laughs> in the 1200s to go on crusade. <laughs> It's like he set up a GoFundMe and then closed it down and was like, I didn't set that up. I don't know what you're talking about. To the point that the Templar Master of England, that's Amaric, Amaric, yeah, Amaric de, I think it's Amaric de Tebel, if I remember correctly. It, it is Amaric, but I can't mm. remember his second part. He's a did something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to remember, folks, most of our nobility is Norman French oh, at this yeah. point, or intermarried 100%. with France. Um, a German nobility is an 18th century invention. Most of our nobility stem from the French regions originally, and we're all the poorer for going Germanic. Well, this is... This we is could what... have had France, folks. We could have had France. My, um, growing up as an authentic medieval child... Yes, you did. Um, my parents obviously very big into history, hence being a medieval child... And my mum used to absolutely, like, whenever there'd be something on, it'd be like, oh, wonderful, good King Richard. My mum would be like, he wasn't! He was French! He hated the English! He, he didn't did... speak English! No, he... Well, no, they probably <laughs> did speak English, but they probably didn't speak English that common. Most of the time, they'd be speaking French. Yeah. Most of the knights would be French. Yeah. Um, you actually have to look to good old Edward III mm. to look for the English being brought into the Englishnessness. Of English nobility. But back to John. Yeah. Meant to go on crusade. Skimmed everyone for money. Doesn't do it once. <laughs> oh, no! Good old King John <laughs> proceeds to do it for about five or six times. Oh, my God! For wars in France, wars in Ireland, wars against the Scots, and the crusade. So you should be on watchdog, really. <laughs> Man's a serial scammer and people fall for it because they have to yeah. because he's the king. Oh. Shockingly enough, the northern barons, mm. and I ain't going to make a stereotype here of northerners being tight-fisted bastards, but the northern barons get sick of having their pockets felt up, so to speak, <laughs> to use a turn of phrase. Like he's sending round too many charity donation forms. Oh, he really and is. He's not running any marathons. And they rebel. Yeah. 
And they don't rebel in a raise armies and do whatever. They rebel how most nobles do. They write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> okay. I'm speaking of Team America. <laughs> they write a very strongly worded letter and they send the marshal. Okay. okay. Who has fallen out of favour with John at this point. Yeah. And then has to very quickly fall back into favour with John mm. because it turns out William Marshall's about the only man on King John's side at one point. <laughs> King John alienates the Archbishop of Canterbury. Wow. That's a chap called Stephen Langton. I mean, um, oh, the, the one that you had the miniature of. That yes. I have, and I sent a copy of it to yes. your cousin. Yes. Because good old Tom being biblical well, we'll see. and canonised, hopefully one oh, day eventually. Elk. <laughs> he isn't canonised. I hope for the best with everyone. <laughs> it's like Dr. Pismecki. I'm hoping he becomes a doctor. I already he given will. the honorific of being Dr. Pismecki and Dr. Juzeki, good old Jesse. Yes. Yeah, this is the thing with, with your cousin Tom. One day he'll be a saint. What? Well, okay. It's me. I hope for the best in everyone. Okay. But yeah, but no, Tom has a Stephen Langton. I own a Stephen Langton. Uh, very nice man, Archbishop of Canterbury. And um, yeah, John alienates everyone. Yeah. He alienates everyone. He must have read that book of how to alienate friends and lose them. That's not what the book is. Well, it is in King John's case. <laughs> I mean, go hard or go home. You know. You well, he well can't go hard. He's soft sword and neckline. <laughs> but he does go hard. He goes hard on everyone. He um, he oh, basically. Did he have a hot French wife like in the film? He did have a hot French wife. Who technically was underage and he stole. Oh, okay, that's not cool then. Un I say underage. Yeah, we're talking underage in the friggin' Middle Ages. Was she a fetus? She was nine. Oh, no! He was 21. Oh, no! Oh! Uh, he was. What, <laughs> Oscar I think... Isaac, what are you doing? Right, she was nine. They didn't actually meet for about four years. That doesn't make it any better! No, 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 you've got to remember. She was married at the altar at nine years old. Oh, is this when he had to send, like, somebody else And to... then four yeah, years yeah. later they finally meet because she was the niece of the King of France. <sighs> yeah, there is a lot wrong with King John. <sighs> he might not have been 21. He may have been younger, but I can't remember. <sighs> but it, it's all a bit weird. Yeah. Bear in mind your average marriaging age is 13. Yeah, I know, but... <sighs> you kind of have to get used to it. I'm not saying it's right, folks. I'm just saying you have to get used to it with the Middle Ages. In the context. In the context of the medieval world, 13 is your marriaging age because you may only have another 17 years on the planet. Yeah. Unless you're a woman, in which case you'll... You may only have a year left on the planet <laughs> because childbirth will kill you. Yay. Unless you're Isabel of Castile. Yeah. Edward the First wife. Yeah. His... 16 children. One survives. It's just... Oh, my God. Well, I think more than one survives, but in the sense of legitimate male heirs, one survives. I'm going to pass away now. I'm 49 and I've been pregnant pretty much every year... Fair play. ...of our marriage. You, you pass it away. It breaks Edward I, so bless him. He, well, he loved her like... Well, yeah, apparently he bloody did. Yeah. <laughs> Leave her alone. Indeed. Um... <laughs> But that's Henry the Third's son, of course. So you get John's son, Henry the Third. Yeah. He has a baron's war. 
it's just fashionable. That's Simon de Montfort. Oh, like the university. Yeah, that's de Montfort University, but that's the de Montfort family, and that's the Battle of Evesham and the Battle of Luz, mm. and that's in the 1260s, just when the Mongolian hordes are invading Jerusalem. What? What? When did that happen? Well, I think you just told me when that happened, but what? You don't realise... This realize... is like the Abraham Lincoln fax machine thing. Right. The Mongolian invasion, okay, of the world... Yeah. ...is the big thing in the 13th century. Is the thing. Is the thing. <laughs> they attack Russia. Yeah. Right? I know that. They attack Jerusalem. I didn't know that. They, they get all the way to the Middle East here and go, fuck me, it's too hot, I'm going home. I mean, they're like Vikings, but a bit later... Yes, but on small horses yeah. with bows and the funding of the Orient behind them, which makes the Western world look like it's a fucking pauper. So really, it shouldn't be the Viking longship on the moon in that cartoon. It no, should it should. Like it, what it should be, if you're going to be... Mongolian horsemen. <laughs> yeah, because they literally got everywhere. Yeah. They reach, to some degree... Modern day Poland. Bloody hell. Not as an invading army as such, but they reach that far into Europe. They are actually a threat at times, but the empire of the Mongols gets spread so thin that they actually retract to control it better. Yeah. Because they learnt well. The Mongolians understand things. They were a clever people. They did better than the Romans. <laughs> a thousand year empire! <laughs> This is a podcast for Kieran's face. Oh my god. The Mongolian Empire, dear, is a hundred at best. The Roman Empire are ten times that. Do never disparage my <laughs> beloved Empire of Rome. I bought you a helmet for our wedding anniversary. You did. You so very much did. Get back in your lane. I will get back in my lane. <laughs> history. My history lane. Yeah, no, the Mongolians in the 1260s pretty much get to Jerusalem. They, they get to the Middle East. They do a right old number on the Middle East to some so degree. So everybody was invading bloody Jerusalem. Yeah, the Mongolians were more just invading because they were bored and it's like a lad's weekend. <laughs> so well, everybody's invading it. We might as well give it a shot. They come across <laughs> the Asiatic region, right? Yeah. And they get to Odessa and the mountain regions around Syria mm. and all of that part. And they come south. They actually stop the Russian princes ever going to Jerusalem for a campaign. Oh. No, because they keep butchering their armies in the field. Oh. The Russians are going, I want, to I want to go on crusade for Jerusalem. And the Mongolians just sit there going, no, mate, not happening. See, they actually tried. They didn't do a false Kickstarter like King John. They actually had a good go oh, yeah. at it. But yeah, so what happens is, back to King John. Now we've uh, discussed the Mongolians quickly there. Um, oh, apart from left, we're talking um, goat curry and yarag, as in as in fermented mare's milk. That is a... Oh, we're think I'm getting disillusioned about the hotness of Oscar Isaac now, having a... Yeah. Yeah, it, it gets it gets oh, worse. No He starves a woman and son to death um to control one of his vassals. Uh her name is Maud. Oh um and her son is about three. Oh no Yeah, King John's not a nice guy. I mean um, you did you were like at the start of this you were like, Oh he's not that much of a dick, he's a bit of a fuck he is a dick. Yeah, but the problem is Almost all medieval kings have done something like that. That's the problem. 
You know the thing, dear, where we always say there are no nice humans? Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid to say that medieval kings, they're all pretty bad like that. Yeah. You've got to remember, Richard III... Well, I know he's a dick. I got grown up with that being Margaret Thatcher and Richard III. But both. Richard III's maligned. That's the problem. Richard III is because of Shakespeare, and Shakespeare's a prick. Oh, no, not Richard III. Sorry, bloody hell, I'm thinking... Not Richard III. Um, bloody Richard Lionheart. Oh, the Lionheart? Oh, yeah. God, he is a dick. No, sorry, I already Here's knew... your severed heads back oh. over the wall. I already knew Richard III was a, a bodge job. Yeah. No, Richard I, he's... Um, he commits mass genocide in the Middle East. Well, yeah. Um, no, we're talking marches an entire city out of its gates, yeah. lines them up, yeah. and then promptly executes them. And we're talking everyone. I'm guessing they're all Muslim people. Oh, they're probably Jews and Ugh. Greeks and all sorts mixed in. Um, but Richard I gets a good old sticky end anyway. A French well, yeah. cook with a crossbow shoots him in the neck. Yeah. So this is why you shouldn't cross a chef. <laughs> Was it you in a past life? Might have been me in a time machine. Just fuck it. <laughs> Crossbow through the neck on Richard the Lionheart. Probably slagged you cooking off and you were like... Not French. having it, son. Not having it. Through <laughs> yeah. this, you bastard. Who will a crossbow bolt me, bitch? <laughs> Funk. Richard the first, he gets a good old sicky end, crossbow bolt to the neck, <laughs> dies quite nicely in yeah. France. John takes over, does all right to start with, does win a fair few campaigns initially, mm. because he's got the marshal, he's got Falk de Brute, who is one of his captains that of mercenaries. Like aftershave. Falk de Brutes, yes, mm. a very nice chap, famous for his um, sheer like. De Brute by name, De Brute by nature. Right. Man is literally a mercenary killing machine. It's like the mountain out of Game of Thrones. To some degree, yeah, he's seen as being a very cruel yeah. and efficient captain of mercenaries. Yeah. Right. Lovely bloke. My kind of cup of tea. Lovely so bloke. My kind of cup oh, of tea. Can you just <laughs> make a decision about whether these people are horrible or not, please? No, because this is the whole point of this period, D. You kind of have to Everybody's go... Everybody's a dick. Yeah. So you kind of have to look for the positives over the negative. <laughs> he had a kitten sanctuary, we, but he but murdered we, a city. Correct. That's how it works, I'm afraid. Um, but what happens is, of course, is John, being John, does... Well, to start with, and then his campaign goes very, very wrong. And he ends up losing an awful lot of land in France. And hence the Lackland, to yes. some degree. And also because he's given rights of power by his father and no land to actually pay him yeah. to do it. Again, the Lackland. And the soft sword stems from the fact that is because it is then Philip, who is in France, starts fighting him. Yeah. Um... And starts beating crap out of John. But the Philip in question has got lots of military experience at this point. Right. And is um, is son of Louis the Pious, if I remember correctly. So you have to kind of... Yeah. Balancing acts. And then Philip has a son. 
Yeah. Philip, the King of France, I believe, has a son, yeah. also called Philip, hence no, why I said Jesus Christ. But he's known as Philip de Leon. We've got to try and tell him apart somehow. But he's Philip the Lion. Oh, for God's sake, why is everybody being a lion? Because it's an honourable and great thing to be. But... Despite the fact nobody knew what one looked like. Well, no, they did know what a lion looked like. They had mountain lions in um, Syria and stuff. Yeah, but I mean all Everyone. the medieval artwork where they're all like... Nah. They're leopards. They're not lions. They're leopards. Hence why the English coat of arms is three leopards. It's not three lions. Well, you need to tell the football people that. Well, have you tried to sing three leopards on a shirt? It just doesn't work. <laughs> Three lads on a shirt. It's yes, not, it's not so no, bad. Three lads on a shirt. Yes, it's syllables. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Philip, um, Philip is the lion, so to speak, of France. He's invited over by the rebel barons, okay, who's John's pissed off, because they get John to sign the Magna Carta, and then John renades on it. Right. So basically, John being John and his scammy ways... Gets caught out by the northern barons. The northern barons force him to Runnymede, sign the Magna Carta. Within about three months of the Magna Carta doing, he's back to his old ways and he's ignoring the Magna Carta. Oh God. The northern barons who become the rebel barons who become known as the army of God. Wow, okay, yeah, they, they really, that's um, Hubert de Clifford, I believe. I mean, I that's a pretty check. badass name if you're going to... But they become the army of God, and they've got the Archbishop of Canterbury on their side. Hence the term army yeah, of that's, God. that's legit. When you end up with Stephen Langton on your side, because... Hang on, I have the people to hand here with the historical names, because I am sensible and prepared. Because he has the Baron's War book. book. I do. So there's Prince Louis. Okay, yeah. so that's Louis of France, the lion, as yeah, I say. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's invited over to take the English throne. Oh, that's the end of Ironclad. Yes. Yeah. Here we have Earl of Pembroke, the yeah. marshal, always good. And the man in question, here we go, that was it, it's all right, there's lots of people. Yeah, there we go. Robert Fitzwalter, marshal of the army of God. I mean... Is basically the commander of the rebel baron forces. I mean, if you have that on your CV, you're going to get... And alongside <laughs> him is good old Stephen Langton. Yep. Archbishop of Canterbury, who was not John's want to put into the archbishopship. Yeah. Ship, ship, ship. Yes. Yeah. Because the king's got to pick to some degree who, yeah. who goes into the diocese of different bishops yes. and all sorts, right? Stephen Langton was the Pope's choice and a lot of other people's choices. And everyone turned around to John and went, you can't have your man, we're putting Stephen Langton in. John threw a hissy fit. Yeah. Because also, this is the reason you have Thomas Beckett. Yes. Because he was put into place of the Archbishop nurse by Henry yeah. II. And Henry II goes, Who will rid me of this troublesome? Because they yes. were best buddies back going to tournaments and war. And then Thomas Beckett gets the Archbishop's crown for you, uh, of Canterbury and turns into a completely and utterly ridiculously over-pious person who won't let Henry II do what he wants. Um, and basically... King John tries to do the same thing and everyone goes, no, we're putting Stephen Langton in. Yeah. Who is a very well-read um, theologian in this period. Knows all his papal laws and everything. And it all goes a bit wrong for John, bless him. Um, it really does. But John exiled Stephen Langton, by the way. Oh. Because he didn't want him in the Archbishop's chair. Right. So he exiled him to France. Yeah. And then John got put under papal edict. 
which meant no religious ceremonies in any of the churches of England, which means people couldn't be buried with the sacraments and what? everything else. Yeah, John was excommunicated for a bit. Bloody hell. Yeah, King John pissed off the Pope. And in a medieval Christian world where the church is everything, that's like pissing on God directly. <laughs> Literally pissing on God is what John did. And <laughs> there is a metal band somewhere and that is their album title. <laughs> but do you want to know what's great? Is John did that and the Pope turned around and went, you're excommunicated and basically... Your country is. Yeah. Um, uh, in, uh, popal interdedit. Uh, a popal... I yeah, it's a bit of a tongue twister for yeah. me at times, but a popal interdict. Good God! Which is basically That's you're not allowed to hold any religious ceremonies. People couldn't get married. People couldn't be buried. Oh, it's like COVID. People get yeah, <laughs> no, it's worse because people. So does that mean that technically, you, you, according you were to all Christians, out of grace? Yeah, there was a whole load of people that got stuck in hell or whatever because. Because wow. of King John, yeah. I'd be haunting his ass. What's funny is Templars can ignore that interdict. Well, that's nice. To bury people. Oh, okay, yeah, that is nice. If they're in the Templar order. Right. Because the Templar order is outside of a country's order. Oh, Templars are Templars. It's like a loophole. Templars are their own people. The Templar membership in England in nobility raised quite suddenly during this interdict period oh, yeah. for one reason, just in case. Um, but only Templars can do it. But what you actually found was um, Amaric himself, the Templar master in England, because there's a master in almost every European yeah, country, yeah. and then the Grand Master is in Jerusalem. Yeah. But Amaric. Um, very nice master. He actually starts burying like London citizens, claiming they're Aww. members of the Templar Order to um, London's Burgage, so they're they're um, they're ruling elite yeah. that aren't always nobles. They're wealthy merchants and stuff. Um, have a word and make a lot of large donations to the temple, <laughs> so to speak. And uh, shockingly enough, certain citizens of London happily still get buried during these interdicts because of um, the Templar rules allowing them to bury people outside of an interdict. Oh my god. Yeah, there's a lot of issues with John. He is a real piece of work. He is a dick. Yeah, there's, he is. It's not like a maybe about it. It's conclusive. Oh, yeah. There we go. Halt de Brutes. Oh. Nice chap. Of course, it's French, so there's like seven extra vowels in there that you don't say. No, precisely. <laughs> but um, him and him and William Marshall basically lead the royalist forces against the rebel barons, mm. the rebel alliance. Um, but the rebel barons, basically, John dies. Yeah. Okay. Poos himself to death. In twelve sixteen. Yeah. Okay. The rebel barons. I'm happier about that now. Yeah, well, you should do. <laughs> He, lo he loses the crown jewels in the wash. Yes, I knew that. And shits yeah. himself to death in, like, East Anglia. <laughs> <laughs> this raising the soil quality of East Anglia, Ew. at least. <laughs> he, at least raises... He does one good thing in his life. He raises the soil quality of East Anglia. He does one good thing in his life. He dies. He dies. <laughs> Problem is... Good old Prince Louis... Yeah. ...won't fucking leave. Yeah. So guess what? We get two famous battles. We get the Battle of Lincoln, which is known as the Lincoln Fair. Yeah. Literally called the Lincoln Fair, but it's the Battle of Lincoln. Yeah. And that's Nicola de la Hayes. 
The yeah. Sheriff of Lincoln. Yeah. The badass, the second of my boss-ass bitches in tonight's episode, so to speak. Yeah, that's fair. She is 72 yeah. and turns round to the, print, the Royal Crown Prince of France and tells him to jog on, sunshine. Hopefully in that voice. I would be very worried if Nicola de la Hayes had a slightly northern accent <laughs> at times. <laughs> it would be epic. And if she had a beard. But she reminds me of the um There woman. is a possible model of her coming out done as a charitable thing. Yeah. Through the Barons War, one of the members contacted Paul Hicks. Yeah. I believe it's Paul Hicks. Um, but there's been a beautiful Nicola de la Hayes miniature being sculpted that will be going for charity, mm. being sold by Footsaw Miniatures. Oh. Um, I intend to get three. <laughs> Uh, because two of the other ones I want to uh, because they're just really nice female it's really nice female medieval yeah. sculpt wearing um, a helmet with a sword in a proper medieval fashion mm. but it would also work for uh, Black Morag of Scotland who tells Edward I to jog on because she, she sits there dusting the battlements while he's besieging I think it's Stirling <laughs> Castle like, there's some do, really amazing women in, in medieval history. Kieran's badass medieval women. women. But yeah, Nicola de la Hayes basically tells Prince Louis to jog on. Yeah. He doesn't. He gets his arse royally handed to him by the marshal and yeah. the army that the marshal rallies. Yeah. Um, and is brought to the peace table. But not only is he, 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 he tries to fob off going to the peace table initially mm. because there's a relief fleet coming in. Right. Okay, from France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sent by his dad. Captained by a lovely chap called Eustace the Monk. Okay. Who is technically a French version of kind of Robin Hood. Oh. He, he's a pirate, though. He's a French channel pirate. Right. Called Eustace the Monk. He was a monk. Yeah. Uh, and he built a small flotilla and he raided the channel. Uh, and British coastlines during the 12th, oh, 13th century. Conservatives wouldn't have liked that. No, he's a French pirate in the Channel. And he's called Eustace the <laughs> Monk. And he's at the battle. Uh, and in 1217, there's a second battle. There's Lincoln Fair. Then there's the Battle of Sandwich. When that's Sandwich in this yeah, country, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the English fleet trounces the French fleet, which is this relief force for Louis. So Louis then has to come to the peace table and has to renade all. Designs on the English throne. Right. Because William Marshall's now Regent of England for Henry III, who is a nine year old child. Yeah. Now, you've got to remember though, by 1219, unfortunately, William Marshall dies at the mighty age of 72. Yes. 72, and it's worked out he's been at war for 65 years. Bloody hell. And has been a tournament fighter. Since he was 15 and was 72. The man is known as the greatest knight for one good Where reason. Where is he buried? Because we should say hello to him sometime. Jerusalem. Oh, shit. <laughs> Maybe not then. No. He does have a grave <laughs> in the temple in London. The Templar site in London. Of him there, or is it just a kind of. No, the, the vast majority of his grave is there, I yeah. believe. I think it's. Part of him, I think his heart was sent to Jerusalem yeah. in a thing. Yeah. But his body and his head and everything else, that's still in the temple. I think it's the Temple of Solomon in London. Oh, it, it, it's the original Temple Templar site yeah. in London. Well, we'll he is him. buried there. He's in, he is 
sat, there is a statue, I say he sat, he is stood with one of three other carvings in Westminster mm. behind the throne yeah. in Westminster where the coronations happen. And there is William Marshall, Stephen Langton, a papal legate whose name eludes me, and someone else. And they're the four men that ruled England until Henry III yeah. reached the age of 16. Now, unfortunately, poor Henry III ends up with the same issue because of a chap called Simon de Montfort. Right. Which is the Second Baron's War. Um, and I won't go into that because it's much more famous to some degree. Mm. And there are plenty of books about it. Yeah. The problem is, the First Baron's War is overshadowed by the fact that it's because it's where the Magna Carta comes from. Yeah. And the Magna Carta officially doesn't come into fruition until King John's actually dead. Yeah. And it's... Well, I suppose he can't just ignore it then. He's, 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 he's forced to sign it, and he does sign it, and then he goes back on it, and the legitimate Magna Carta is actually signed by William Marshall. See, as need, regent of England. I need to go back and watch Ironclad because I actually know stuff about it now. Whereas when I watched That's it... That's the Siege of Rochester. Yeah. Uh, which should be William de Albany, who is the Lord of Beaver Vale. Seeing that, it's just basically James Purefoy's poor Templar guy that's constantly getting sexually harassed by that woman. She won't leave him alone. It's, like it's a Templar. I know, but it's just twenty like years. Down. Yeah, but twenty years after their founding, yeah. right? The Templars were already legendary. Yeah. Only twenty years after that, they. You think the Templars only exist for two hundred years? Mm. The King of France does them in the end. Has them for heresy. Yeah. And all yeah. sorts of stuff because yeah. they get that big and powerful, and people are like. Also, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide a spooky goth wife fact in yeah because of the whole baphomet thing yeah because i get really annoyed and i was like it's the devil meh, meh, meh. oh no like, that's arabic no it's because loads of templars came back and said they'd converted to mahomet yeah muhammad yeah they'd become muslim yes shockingly enough while they were in a culture of muslim people <laughs> because shockingly enough god is great whether you say it in Arabic or English or French, I'm because it's shockingly enough the same fucking God. <laughs> Kieran's hot religious takes. <laughs> God's God, folks. Whether you're Muslim, Jewish, or Christian, you're all worshipping the same deity. Yeah. Yeah. But. Because they've got slightly different coloured skin, speak funny and have weird tasting food, the Pope decided they were pagan and we should go and kill them. I mean, seriously. I mean, it doesn't. it's like the meme where it's like, oh God, humans are so boring, I wish we had wings and stuff. And it's like, yeah, because we don't persecute people enough. We don't persecute people badly <laughs> at all, do we? we no, no. It's like, oh Jesus this Christ. This is literally the plot of X-Men. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> But yeah, they um, a lot of them did convert to Muslim ways because, shockingly enough, they were actually... It's really weird, but the Muslimic faith... Islamic. Sorry, brain there. The Islamic faith of the 12th and 13th century is a very different beast to the Christian faith 
well, sorry, let me get that straight. The Islamic faith of the 12th and 13th century is a very different beast to the Islamic faith we have now. Okay? And it's undergone quite a few changes throughout history. Now, I cannot go into details. I am not an expert in the Islamic faith. But I do know that, comparatively speaking, the Islamic faith was less harsh in the 12th century than it is now, in some respects. But it was also more fundamental back then. And that's saying something, given how fundamentalist the Islamic faith is seen by a lot of Western powers. The problem is, people don't seem to realise, is we lived in a fundamentalist Christian state. All of us did, and we kind of got over it because of secularism and science. But, can I point out, most of our science stems from the Middle East originally. Like the wheelbarrow. <laughs> 1170 folks <laughs> it all comes back to the wheelbarrow 1170 the wheelbarrow pops up in this western world so why at Whitby <laughs> was there a group trundling firewood through a 9th century viking camp <laughs> on a fucking wheelbarrow <laughs> You can tell you were in lots of meetings because you didn't just go after them with your Danax. I didn't have my Danax with oh, me. Oh no, because it wouldn't have been authentic. It would be. Yeah. It's 9th century, not 10th oh, or 11th. One of your many other accents. I have many, many accents. But yes. So, back to the Magna Carta. <laughs> 800 years of me getting distracted because of a wheelbarrow. 800 years of me getting distracted. That should be the title of my autobiography. Yeah. 800 years of me getting distracted. Yes. Yeah. That's how it works. But yeah, Magna Carta. Stems originally all because King John was a bit of a dick. <laughs> and that's, that, that's, that's literally why we have the Magna yeah. Carta. And no, it doesn't mean you can open your hairdressing salon during the COVID. Because you're not a noble. Yeah. And you also don't own that land. You're yeah. renting that property, which means you have even less rights than the Magna Carta. Yay. You've got to be a landholder to be a person of power. That's how the medieval world works, folks. See... I would, I would like to just quickly insert this thing that we've spoken about. Yes. That I would like to put out there to anybody that does listen to this foolishly. Which is, about a year ago, we went to see a terrible, terrible film in the cinema. It was more than a year ago. Was it more than a year ago? Oh yeah, because it was, sorry, it's Covid brain. You're on about Wolf. Yes, I am on about that. So we went to see this film, and this is, I'm just, there is a reason for mentioning this. And it was pitched as like Roman dog soldiers, and we were both it quite. It really wasn't. It was so bad, and we both How left did the it cinema. Get to a cinema. We How? Both left the cinema so angry. Like I've never written a, a, a review on IMDb in my life, and I had to go and write one because I was just like, "What the fuck have I just watched?" But if we can get. Either somebody, either I've refused to pay for this film, but if people for the entertainment value of listening to Kieran shout at the film about how bad it is, we will Twitch stream it. Yeah, we will Twitch. We will Twitch live stream it or Facebook live stream it. We can have a watch party. I will work out the logistics, but I refuse to pay for the DVD because I already had to sit through it at the cinema. So if we can either get four people. At a pound on Patreon. Yes. 
or somebody foolishly buys the DVD and, and sends, sends it, it to us. <laughs> we will do a Twitch stream party of me, the angry history chef, and my spooky goth wife watching Wolf. I've repressed most of the memories of I it. don't even remember the film. <laughs> I know a lot of people got upset because there's a black lady in it, because most people tend to get upset about that, apparently. I don't but... get why they do. It's a Roman... Ep- Sorry, there's a meme I saw recently, and yeah. it's been playing in my head a lot, because it is the thing of... It's, uh, it's, it's the Incredibles thing where, in the film, he's like, maths is math, why has it changed? Yeah. And it's the thing with... This is the Roman Empire. Yeah. Every man and his dog, woman, child, whatever. Yeah. Didn't matter what colour you were, you're in the Empire. Welcome yeah. to Rome. Yeah. Oh, you're a slave. Doesn't matter. Welcome to Rome. The meme runs white people, slave, black person. Yeah. To, uh, Middle Eastern person, white person, slave. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. There's three things. And then underneath is the dad, is Mr. Incredible, but with a Roman... Yeah. Tribute helmet going, slaves are slaves! It's like, doesn't matter what colour. That's the thing with Rome. Equal opportunity. Equal opportunity for everyone to be a slave. Yay. Anyway, but if you would like us to watch, watch Wolf, which is basically, I think the only way I can describe it is if Garth Marenghi directed dog soldiers in the Roman period. And that's um, being generous. Yeah, that really is being generous. If you don't know what Garth Marenghi is, that's your homework to go and watch it because it's amazing. Oh. Also, their homework, because we will, we're not finished on this episode, because we have one other thing to talk about before okay. we finish this episode, which yeah. is important, because you said we should talk about it, Okay. and that is Kingdom of Heaven, because it all ties in. That's going to be, in, like... No, no, I'm just going to touch on it, because... You, you are not just going to touch on it. I am. <laughs> you watched the extended director's cut. How am I going to believe this is going to be a short conversation? Because, what did you actually want to ask me about Kingdom of Heaven? I don't remember. Because this is the problem. You, you, it asked, was an you, episode, asked, one, you asked one question, and that's been it, really. You've asked one question, and you've just, like, lit the fuse paper. Yes. Wall. Normally you ask more than one question. I know, but I didn't need to with this, because you just went off. Well, yeah, but that's kind of... I think Kingdom of Heaven is going to be its own episode. There's no way you're going to fit that into less than half an hour. Well, I can. I mean, lies. Like, you well, know, it's not yes, lies. it is. It's Look not. at your face. <laughs> because it's like, what did you actually want? Like in terms of Kingdom of Heaven, as in like how his what? Like just let. Is me it think like about how it. historically accurate is it? Yes, that sort of thing. Well, to be honest, no, just no, save it. No, because I wanted to do it. Because we're here now and we're having a laugh. And you're actually enjoying this. Rather than going, oh my god, we've been going for hours, can we stop when we've not been going for hours? We've been talking very shortly and you've asked one question. So it's like, what do you want to know about Kingdom of Heaven? Why do you like it so much? (laughs) Is it a historical reason? To some degree, no. I enjoy it just because it's a subject which most people avoid. Yeah. Okay, because it's the Middle East. Yeah. Okay, and people don't normally touch on the Middle East as a subject. Yeah. Because it's always seen as a powder keg. Yeah. And Ridley Scott, very succinctly, does a very beautiful job of creating a film. And bearing in mind, I can't even watch the theatrical version anymore because (laughs) there is that much missing from it as the storyline. Yeah. And it's like, I don't care that 
like X, Y, and Z, the historical accuracy to some degree goes out the window anyway. Yeah. Because it's Hollywood. Yeah. As Hollywood historical films go, it's not one of the worst. That's actually quite a good recommendation. It's like, it's not one of the worst. There aren't much better out there either. Ridley Scott does, at least to some degree, show uh, a mutual... And the thing is, I think this is the thing. The history-wise, he doesn't go down, let's see how stupid... The co- he tries to get the costumes right, yeah. to some degree. But what I love about it is it highlights and shows the fact that both sides of the argument we're arguing over the same thing. Yeah. They're all arguing over God and a holy city. Yeah. But they're all arguing over the same God. Yeah. And the same city. Yeah. For completely different reasons that make no logical sense. Yeah. And he shows so much mutual respect between the Islamic faith and the Christian faith. Yeah. And particularly with Salahaddin. Yeah. And he makes... Because when you look at Salahaddin historically, yeah. he's always seen as the big bad Western. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because of, and I'm not going to lie, it's predominantly because of America and their war on terror and everything else. I don't know. I think we've got some good old British oh, racists going on in there as we've, well. We've got our own racists, dear, but there's one big difference at times. We've been in that part of the world... For almost 200 odd years. And we still never learned that you don't go into like the mountains of Afghan. You don't go into the deserts and stuff. And we we still like, you've got to think up until the 40s, we ruled Iran. Mm. We, was it Iran or Iraq? I can remember. But we controlled one, we controlled yeah, one yeah. of those ourselves. I think it was Iraq. Yeah, because great granddad Ernie was based in Iraq. Uh, with the 2nd Battalion Shield Foresters. Um, or 1st Battalion, because I don't remember which. But yeah, this is the point. I love the film because Ridley Scott doesn't make some historical hero fetish film, right, about the Crusades. It's not got any... Oh, the, the, you look at the Templars in it. They're a bunch of corrupt, conniving pricks. Okay. You look at the uh, Eva Green. Yeah. Who plays Sibylla. I would like to look at Eva Green, yes. Yes, we all would. But um, Eva Green playing Sibylla. Yeah. Uh, and the storyline with her son. Historically, he does do a bit of a disservice to a lot of the characters. In certain ways. Yeah. And I'll grant you well... that he does do it. But there's not a lot of films that do it right. Let's take, for example, uh, Jason Isaacs in The Patriot. And him portray- he portrays Tarlington from you, The War you, of Independence. You're really going for all the fliss subjects. <laughs> Might as well. But you think, all of the stuff that he does in, yeah. the, in the Patriot as Tarlington... He didn't right, do. He didn't do. It's all William Wallace. Well, that's why... No, he... not William Wallace. Sorry, Robert the Bruce. Yeah. So, everything that... Jason Isaacs to be the villain in The Patriot is attributed to doing in that film Mm -hmm. is actually everything Robert the Bruce did to people under Edward the First. Yep. So, yeah. And 
the thing with Kingdom of Heaven is the fact that he does do a bit of a disservice to Guy de Lusignan, Sibylla, uh, Baldwin, and the other actual historical characters. Yeah. And even Balian is a real historical person. Balian, yeah. Balian is the defender of Jerusalem, right. historically. Okay. But he is not the wonderful... Well, he won't be. Historically, Balian is kind of a non-entity. But Guy de Lusignan and Sibylla and Baldwin, very much big characters, very much a key thing. Um, but yeah, so Kingdom of Heaven, I think the reason I love the film so much is A, the proper... It is the extended director's cut. Because there is a director's cut and then there is an extended director's cut. And I own the extended director's yes, cut do. at about three and a half hours. Yep. Uh, it's on two discs. It is, yes. It has an entree. Yes. An, well, it has an overture, yeah. an epi... Epilogue. No, it's not an epilogue. It's the last interval. piece. Of, it has an interval, uh, but it's also got... It has got an epilogue, but it's not. It's the musical version of an epilogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't remember what it is. Um, like an egress piece. Um, it's got a beautiful soundtrack to it. It's three and a half hours over two discs. I love the fact that I had never watched it before in my entire life. And I've been going out with Kieran for four four years now. Yeah, we've yeah. been... August was four years, darling. Yeah. We've been married for a year now. So, so. I can now <coughs> quote this film. <laughs> Not quite, but you got, you're close. You're close. Yeah, but it's, it's that film that I start to paint miniatures. And it's one of my background films. Yeah. And you've got to think... So much so that when the kids were here... <laughs> yes! We, we, I forgot there's even a sex scene in it. Yes, because it's just we nearly had but... an incident. Yeah. It was luckily spooky goth wife on the uh, controller. Because you've got Orlando Bloom and Eva Green yes. having it away with each other. Yes, and I was looking at you thinking, I don't remember how intense this gets. Kieran's not moving, so I'm guessing... No, no, oh, yeah, no, no, we're going to stop this. And you were like, what? <laughs> It's my background film. You think it's like, out what, what? I was like, no, it's no, 2000 no, no. 2004, <laughs> that film came out. Oh my God. Yeah, so that film now is about 17 years old. Mm. And that DVD came out in 2005. Yep. And I've had it since it came out. Mm. Might even be 2006. But I've had that DVD, dear, for um, 15 years. Well, you're going to have to hang on to it because we all know what happens with Netflix and everything else. Well, no one's ever going to put the extended director's <laughs> cut on because it's three and a half hours. Yeah. And the last time someone I made... I don't know, they've done the Justice League one. That's about like 10 hours long. Yeah, but that's just Zack Snyder. Yeah. No one's going to put Ridley Scott back on at full length. It's like Gladiator. I own the extended director's oh edition of that. Oh my God, that's already very, very long. I know, it's four hours. <laughs> It's like watching Lawrence of Arabia. It's magnificent. Welcome to my life, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, no, he does justice to the Crusades. Yeah. Without being inflammatory and without glorifying either side at all. Yeah. In a way that actually makes it pleasant to watch. And you've got Eva Green in it. Yes. So it's yes. like Eva Green generally makes but everything she's better. She's got a really good smoky eye look going on in that film. It's because she's Queen Sibylla of, 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 of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is its own kingdom. Yeah. Along with the Counts of Antioch 
Odessa and everything else. It's a wonderful piece of the Outremeres, as they're known, which just means over the sea. I was going to also, and I'm going to spring this on you, given it's coming up to spooky season, I was going to ask whether we should do a spooky Gothwife special where you ask me questions. Well, I don't know what to ask. About weird things. Well, well I'm not going to ask you to do it now. I'm well, about, no, like, I know, but, what, but you need to tell me what your subject is. Well, spooky things. But what kind of spooky things? Well, you can discuss it. Would people be interested in a spooky Gothwife well, special? People will be interested in a spooky Gothwife special. Dog, if you go near that window, you're becoming a hat. <laughs> But, um, yes, I, I don't mind doing a spooky goth wife special. I just <laughs> when you say it, it sounds dirty. <laughs> it's my natural palmbra as a retired chef. That, that's if you subscribe to the £20 a month level of Patreon. <laughs> if you subscribe to the £20, you get the spooky goth wife special. <laughs> no, but it depends on what you want to put in a spooky goth wife special. I've broken my wife, folks. Well, <laughs> I've broken my wife. Apparently, me saying the spooky goth wife special just like cracked up. It's me like saying the word flange. <laughs> no. She she breaks up every time I discuss maces and anything to do with a flanged mace just cracks her right up. Anyway, but yeah, spooky goth wife special. Would you like that? Yeah. Would you like us to watch a terrible film? Yeah. About Romans that get attacked werewolves. by werewolves. It gets awful. And it's awful. Oh, I, don't know. I think it's got two out of ten on IMDb, and that's generous. Uh, I'd give it a point, 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 point. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to negative. I think it's like TripAdvisor. You can't negatively review things. You can't do less than one. Negative forty. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, we should we should see if we can get one. Well, let us know. I refuse to buy it. Yeah. Because we'll watch it and Twitch stream it, but we're just not buying it on principle. People sign up to I Patreon. Used, I used my Cineworld Unlimited card oh, to watch it. Because it was in the cinema. I know. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, well, I think it's like Tommy Wiseau. I think you must have paid people to put it in the Clearly, cinema. because it was a crock of shit. <laughs> With such glowing reviews. reviews yeah. How could you say no? no yes. So, well, you yes. Know, you know, like, it, we could end up with like 20 copies. Because it's fine. <laughs> Charity. We could burn them as a sacrifice. <laughs> um, if anyone wants me to talk some more about the Templars and the Crusades and the Barons' War, the first Barons' War, please not the tell second. us. Please tell us. If you want me to talk about the 12th and 13th century in more detail, hell, if you really want me to talk about the 14th century in detail, I'll happily talk about yeah, we'll that. We'll talk about most centuries in detail. The Civil just... War is like your, your topic you don't do. Yeah. I could. Yeah, but you look pained at the thought of it. Well, at least it's not American Civil War. <laughs> no, well, that's obviously not going to happen. No, that's never going to happen. Anyway. I, I don't even know. Do you know, I've never seen... But yeah, okay, folks. <laughs> uh, like and subscribe. Yes. Please. Tell us what to talk about. Uh, comment. Or tell us to stop talking yeah. and we'll just go away. <laughs> or I can stop doing this. I don't mind. Would you it's like a... us to watch a terrible film? Would you like Kieran to ask me questions about spooky things? Who knows? What's this? <laughs> I don't know what the spooky thing is, but what's this? That's fine. I don't mind. Ooh, well, the spooky ghost things. <laughs> Good night, folks. Bye.